Good morning, friends. Because of all the new uh, laws that are coming into place, this is from our lounge room to your lounge room. And I can enjoy a coffee as well as you. Um, these two old wrinklies here um, with their health complications are playing at pretty low at the moment, as some of you are too. But uh, we still have this way of staying connected. So let's uh, turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 23 and verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. Back in 1893, Norwegian artist Edvard Munch painted a painting that was called The Scream. It's a very haunting image. Uh, you could look it up on the web. Munch described his inspiration for the image in this way. I was walking along a path with two friends. The sun was setting. Suddenly the sky turned blood red. I paused, feeling exhausted, and leaned on the fence. There was blood and tongues of fire above the blue-black fjord and the city. My friends walked on, and I stood there trembling with anxiety, and I sensed an infinite scream passing through nature. It's interesting to me that in 1982, psychologist Dr. Arthur Yanov used this very image as the, as the cover for his book, The Primal Scream. And I've heard a few theologians say that we would all cry out an unending primal scream if it were not for the love of God the Father and the Son demonstrated on the cross almost 2,000 years ago. We come to the seventh and final word from the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Gospel writers record for us that this was a loud cry. It was the strong, stirring utterance of one in full possession of his faculties. To the last, Jesus had control of all things, even as he voluntarily gave up his spirit. Jesus breathed his last in strength, in victory, in trust. So clear is this that when the Roman centurion who had watched all of that what happened and he heard the words of Jesus and seen his death, he said this, surely this man was the son of God. And you know what? I reckon this soldier had seen dozens and dozens of crucifixions and he knew that Jesus' death was different to all the others that he'd witnessed. He knew it was not the death of a defeated person, but of someone who was triumphant and trusting. In his last hours on earth, Jesus spoke of returning to the Father. He said this in John 16, verse 28. 
I came from the Father and entered the world. That, that's just amazing. And then he said this, now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. He knew that the horror of the cross awaited him, but just as certainly he was looking forward to going home to be with his Father. It was not the cry of desolation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he suffered the penalty of all our sin, all alone. It's a bold declaration of the continuing father-son relationship within the Trinity. The cry speaks of the beautiful trust that Jesus had in his father, the strong mutual bond of love that existed between them. Um, I knew a pastor who uh, was interred in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And he said suicide was an ever present reality in those camps. You know, that POWs would just lose their spirits as they looked at the hopelessness of their situations because they had decided they had nothing and no one to live for. Jesus cries not, oh God, I can't hang on any longer. I can't take it anymore. It's not a cry of weary resignation or of suicide. It's I am coming home to you, dear Father. What a joy this will be. We are being called to place our trust in the Jesus of Calvary and of Easter. The way, the truth and the life the way to the Father, our Father in heaven, dear Abba Father. But this is also the cry of a son who'd perfectly done the will of his father. He was assured of being received by his father. For Jesus, the thing that mattered most in this life was to do what his father had asked him to do. Wow, he was some kind of awesome son. I know that I did not always do what my father asked of me. I did not always do what pleased him. Mostly it was a falling short of the mark, a mistake. But sadly, sometimes it was sheer willful disobedience. And no, I'm not going to elaborate today. And what I've discovered is that my children were no different to me. And that's been good for me, me to remember as I still parent them as grown-ups. But I wonder if you can remember what was going on inside you when you disobeyed your father's orders or didn't do what you know would have pleased him. If you were like me, and I suspect you were, you didn't want to see your father. You may have even tried to get your brother or sister to cover for you. You were perhaps thinking of your seat of learning, maybe a loss of privileges, or perhaps a tense, strained period in your relationship with Dad. Jesus was confident to trust himself to his Father because of his perfect obedience. I have done your will, Father, willingly, even the cross. And Jesus did that for you and for me. So often as we seek to do the Father's will here on earth, we do it with gritted teeth. 
and less than willing cooperation. Okay, if I have to, I'll do that. You know what, Father? I don't really like that person, but you told me I've got to love them. I'm finding it very difficult to forgive that person and I don't want to. Oh, if you say so. I don't want to be a hospital pers hospitable person. I don't want to be open to other people. Oh, but you say so. So here goes. We know that all too often there's no great thrust of our hearts in obedience to the Father. We need to humbly hear all Jesus' words from the cross and catch the bold and trusting, heartfelt confidence of this last one. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Neil Anderson, in preaching a couple of weeks ago, talked about the, the Psalms being songs in Jesus' head. Well, we have another one that's in his head this morning, and it comes from Psalm 31, reading from verse 1. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. There it is, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, the enemies had tried to defeat Jesus. The Pharisees, the Jews, sin, the Romans, death, Satan. In a sense, these powers that came across Jesus in one way didn't really touch him because they were defeated as Jesus voluntarily gave up his life. John 10 and verse 17 says, The reason, this is Jesus speaking, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. You remember when the soldiers came around to break the legs of the two thieves and Jesus, they did not break Jesus' legs. Because all he was already dead, he had voluntarily given up his spirit. And they broke the legs of people on the crosses or else they could go on for hours or even days, pushing themselves up to keep gasping in air. Jesus had already voluntarily given up his life when the soldiers came. Jesus showed in this last word that he'd conquered death that he was in complete control, even to the last. He showed that the Father in heaven is not to be feared, but loved, not dreaded, but trusted. Jesus was truly ready to die. The Reverend Paul Lehman was a Presbyterian minister and a professor of theological ethics at a number of world-renowned um, places of theological learning in America. 
his only child, a son who was born when he and his wife were in their late 40s. But they lost him to a rare disease when he was 23 years old, a loss for which there was no compensation in this life. And out of his great grief, this bereaved father said this, the Christian life is lived in between. In between. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Christian life is lived in between those two, two statements of Jesus. And, and I think that's worthy of much reflection. Perhaps the question we are left with this morning, above all, is what does it mean to live between the two sayings of Jesus from the cross? Sayings that seem so contradictory. Leslie Newbigin was a great missionary theologian of the Church of South India. Anything that he writes on mission is really worth getting your hands on. And he said this, the deepest motive for mission is simply to be with Jesus where he is. Now, we're all witnesses of the gospel if we belong to Jesus. We are missionaries, and we've talked about that here at Bentley. So the deepest motive for mission is simply to be with Jesus where he is. He's a missionary God. That's where we are. And then he goes on to say this, this place is on the frontier between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. We pray, our Father in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's this frontier between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. For me, this is pure New Testament theology. You and I are living life on the edge between the age of sin and death and the age that is yet to come, the one we hope for. We know that, don't we? So it's not all perfect down here. It's a struggle. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. I encouraged you right at the beginning of this coronavirus pandemic to put your heads and hearts in Romans 8 and read it continually and reflect on the phrases and the words and the content of Romans 8 because it would bear much fruit for your spirit, for your soul. And in Romans 8.22 we read this, we know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Let me pause there. The first fruits of the Spirit are that we are children of God through Jesus and that we can call God Abba Father as he did. It says that back there in verses 15 and 16 of this same chapter. So not only like creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Perhaps in this last saying from the cross, Jesus is teaching us how to live and how to die. We do have turmoil and struggle in this life, don't we? Oh yes, we have glimpses of the kingdom breaking in. Glimpses of the Father. And if we add to this the confusion and doubt that comes with the coronavirus pandemic, life can be tough. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Through Jesus we can call on our God, dear Abba Father. We are related to God as a beloved child, one for whose welfare the parent pours himself out day and night. 24 years ago on Maundy Thursday, so that's the Thursday before Good Friday, so that's coming up this week, I conducted the funeral of a 10-year-old girl who died from cystic fibrosis. I'd never met her. I never knew her family. I knew her uncle and aunt, and they asked me um, to do the funeral. And that whole funeral and coming into the Easter weekend prompted me with some deep reflection on where I was at trusting the Father with my life and with my death. And that whole thing was amped up to a whole new level as both Sharon and I faced our cancer journeys a few years ago. And we both found the thought of our deaths in Christ curiously strengthening. I don't say that lightly. It, it is as though the knowledge of his presence in our death is exactly what we need to rejoice in the life he gives us without fear of its ending. And out of that experience, we began to learn to live one day at a time and rejoice in it. And that is so helpful for us right now. T.S. Eliot said this, in my end is my beginning. Are you trusting the Father? with your life and death. The great and titanic work of the Father and his Son Jesus on Calvary says to those in Christ that we have a promise that cannot be taken away from us of always being in the presence of the Father and of being warmly and lovingly received by him at death. What a hope for us. Can we cry with a loud, triumphant and trusting spirit and voice? Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. It's time to pause and reflect. And as we bring this to a close this morning. I leave you with the very last verse of 
the Bible, Revelation 22:21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Now the chat line on this is going to stay open for about 10 minutes, so you may still want to keep chatting with each other. Other than that, off to the coffee machine and good morning. God bless.